0: Hello and welcome to the Transforming Society podcast from Bristol University Press. My name's George Miller, and I'm the editor of the What's It For series, which over the next few years will explore the purpose of a range of institutions, beliefs, ideologies, and other phenomena that make up the contemporary world. From veganism to AI, nuclear weapons to the monarchy. Inherent in the series' concept is the idea that the answer to the question will most probably be complex and up for debate, but that it's worth asking in order to think about how the future could be better. The series launched in March with three titles, War, Cybersecurity and Philanthropy. And to mark their publication, I recorded three short conversations with each of the authors, in this second conversation with Tim Stevens, author of What is Cybersecurity for?, we discussed a core assertion in that book, that cybersecurity is for and about people.
1: Well, in a sense, cybersecurity is all about ones and zeros and protocols and hardware and software and network configurations and systems administration and so on, antiviruses, firewalls, you name it. It is about that stuff. It absolutely is, because that's the warp and weft of everyday computer security. Those are the types of things that, that, that the technical folks deal with in this field. It absolutely is about this stuff. But there's something more it than that. And the, the central question is, why are we doing all that stuff? Is it just to secure computers, networks, and systems for the sake of it? Well, the answer, of course, is no. We're securing those computer networks and systems for a purpose, and those purposes are much wider than just the computers themselves. They're issues of society. They're issues of economy, of politics, of culture, and ethnicity, and identity. Um, And ultimately, those are all social issues, which means that when we talk about cybersecurity and what cybersecurity is there to secure and protect – and we have to talk at the level of the social, which means talking about people. So in a nutshell, um, yes, it's about the ones and zeros, the technical stuff, but it's a whole other sort of environment landscape, if you like, of security issues that, that touch on the human as well.
0: And yet a lot of the time it is talked about in a context which would suggest it is narrowly technical, isn't it? I guess because those who are most knowledgeable about it have that technical knowledge. But I guess you would say there's a danger in regarding it purely in, in that way. There's, there's something that gets missed out, which is quite important. And your book is partly an attempt to kind of write that back into the, the story, isn't it?
1: It is, yeah. I, one of the problems that with any field, and I'm not singling out cybersecurity here, is that if you turn it over to the technicians and the scientists and the engineers, and you ask them to provide some form of governance in that space, you end up with technocratic solutions. Then quite often the human drops out of those particular equations. And when that's elevated to the level of policy, you end up with some very bizarre outcomes indeed. So trying to write the human back into this, I don't think is a particularly controversial proposition, even though it might be sound weird to some people, and that's absolutely fair enough. That's great, in fact. It might intrigue you to, to find out why there's this other aspect to it. But I would ask people, you know, think about, well, okay, so why do we have a national cyber strategy? Why is cybersecurity an issue for public policy? At the levels of uh, digital economy, of national security. Uh, why is it talked about at the UN Security Council or the General Assembly? There are dozens of international organizations that look at cybersecurity all the time, not all of which, by any stretch, are composed of technical individuals. They're politicians, they're diplomats, they're experts in economics, uh, and so on and so forth. So, you know, already we're in the space whereby cybersecurity is, is so much more than just a technical proposition.
0: I was thinking one very basic way in which cybersecurity is about humans is that the threat to networks, and therefore our security, comes from other human beings. They're not, they're not sort of naturally occurring phenomena like the weather. They come in the form of criminal threats, and they come in the form of, um, I suppose, threats from states and, and state-like Entities, you know, and one thinks of, you know, cyber warfare as the ultimate form of that. Is that divide between those two worlds quite a useful way of thinking about the nature of threats that that cybersecurity addresses? It, It can
1: be, yes. You know, a pure cybersecurity professional might say it doesn't actually matter at the level of the machine. It's just when we're thinking about malicious software entering a system, I don't care where it comes from or why it's there. I just need to deal with it. And that's fair enough. But if you want to develop public policy, whether that's national or international public policy, for example, that deals with the sources of those threats, you need to understand why people are undertaking those particular forms of action. And there's an awful lot of difference between, for example, a criminal and a state organization that are engaged in certain forms of activity online that, that you deal, that you deem undesirable, because you have to marshal different resources to deal with them. There's different discourses and discussions around it. There's different people to convince. There's different international fora in which you might need to do some work. There's different alliances and different skill sets that you need to draw upon. So it can be it can be very very useful. And of course, the law is different. You know, international law around what you can do to a citizen, a civilian, a criminal in another state is very much very different to what you can or cannot do towards a state entity um, outside of your borders. So it's, I think it can be very, very useful way of distinguishing between, you know, the criminal and the political in terms of what you need to counter it.
0: What would you say, Tim, to someone listening to this who says, well, it's all very well insisting on, you know, writing the human back into the story of cybersecurity, but isn't it all, in reality, controlled by big tech? It's big commercial interests, even more than governments, who actually decide on the contours of the cyber landscape in which we all have to live, and there's not much... That we as individuals can do about it.
1: It's it's an interesting idea, and I, I think there is some validity in it in the sense of you know how, how you know whether we use Apple or Android or Microsoft or we are we use Google for our search engine or whatever it is. You know these are huge; these are enormous high tech ecosystems that spend an awful lot of their money every year and and, and resources and investment and so on on security, and it's it's, it's there's almost a a market share to be had based on who has the best security. And for for years, of course, Apple boasted that that they were the most secure. And you could say that, and yet there there was a, a wider kind of political economy of smaller actors that have something to say about this. And one of the ways those companies get big is by buying up small companies. And they're the ones actually sometimes where the innovation comes or the ideas arise, and they're then purchased, and they become part of these these huge horizontally and vertically integrated companies and so on. But that's not the whole story, I suppose. I, I think the reason why it's not just the tech companies that we should be looking at, big or small, is because despite the fact they have enormous agency and power in the international system, they're not the only major actors. And I think it's very clear to see that particularly large states like the US, China, and the European Union, which I know isn't a state, but is actually probably the third largest power in this space, putting an awful lot of effort and resources into trying to regulate um, security, setting the rules of the road. So not just what states can do, but also what companies can do. And you know, there, there's a lot of complex interplay between the market and, and and politics in this space. It doesn't resolve solely to big tech alone, uh, no matter how powerful and important those actors are.
0: I mean, that kind of preempts the the final question I wanted to ask you in this episode, which was, who is actually looking out for the interests of the individual um, against all these, these much bigger forces? So you would say international institutions, states, are those the principal places you'd look to?
1: Both of those. But of course, the landscape's really, really uneven. And... One of the other reasons why we need to be alert to the politics of cybersecurity is because cybersecurity means different things in different places. And it can mean, in an authoritarian regime, being able to restrict the freedom of expression through online means. Whereas in you know a liberal democracy of the West, it, it's more often something to do with keeping networks open rather than keeping them closed. So allowing people to express themselves economically, but also culturally and creatively and politically and so on, up to a point, of course. But it's a very, very uneven landscape. So national authorities are very, very mixed in how they view this problem set. At the international level, there are people looking out for the individual. There are you know, general data protection regimes at the EU level. Um, there's also global efforts to try and, you know, give people better privacy and so on, and to protect their intellectual property, all these kind of things, but also to protect them against things like cyber warfare and cyber espionage. But they're heavily contested at the international level. And the, the progress is actually painfully slow. Of course, the big tech companies you mentioned earlier, they also say that they're looking out for the little guy, right? For a fee, quite often, sometimes not. But there's all these competing forces in this space. And and I think the concern as cybersecurity, if we look 10, 20 years ahead of the future of cybersecurity, is precisely that question you're asking. And you know, who's looking out for the individual in this? Or do we risk getting swamped in what is effectively a, a, a very high value international marketplace for security products and solutions that actually has got more about making profit or making political capital than it does um, about protecting you and me?
0: That was Tim Stevens whose book, What Is Cybersecurity For?, is available now. There are more details about it, and the other titles in the series, on the Bristol University Press website at bristoluniversitypress.co.uk. That's it from me for now, so thanks for listening, and goodbye.